experience. Well, yeah, experience is everywhere. Experience is everywhere? That's an interesting statement. Welcome, Brian. Well, hi, Megan. It's good to see you. You too. How are you doing today? Good so far, you know. We're just kind of going along, getting towards the end of the semester. So usually I'm worried about being bored when it ends, but I this this it's been a long winter. I'll yeah. be okay when this one ends. <laughs> Have a little break for the summer, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us who you are and what you do here? I'm Brian, and I've got a title that nobody really understands. I'm a student navigator, and so that gets weird because people think, oh, well, you're a student, and then they look at me, and I look, well, old. And so <laughs> they kind of, well, it's really cool you're going back to school at your age, and really, that's not the job. I'm a social worker by trade, and I've been a counselor and that sort of thing. So what I'm trying to do here is just to use the cliche, I'm trying to help people navigate the college. So my job's changing a lot. When I first came, I was working with assigned groups, cohorts of students. And now what I'm doing is working with anybody and everybody that needs my help. So the idea is that I'll make myself available to students. They'll know who I am. And when they need help or they want something explained or they need to get in touch with somebody else, I'll help them get where they want to go. Well, that's great that that resource is available to students. Well, I think so. You know, my paycheck, every two weeks it shows up. (laughs) And it's wonderful. <laughs> there you go. So one of the things that we're asking all of our uh, podcast participants to discuss is the idea that experience is everywhere. So when you hear that statement, what do you think of or what does that mean to you? I think it's not only everywhere. I think that sometimes experience is stigmatized. And I had a conversation with a student yesterday that's got an amazing education plan. He's really all set. But one of the things he was concerned about was writing a business plan because his education plan leads into a business, which leads into borrowing money. Mm. He was worried that the bank would see him in a negative way because what he has in mind is going to involve getting really dirty. Ah. And there's that. So we were able to talk about all the experience that he's bringing. And I think my experience, having done jobs like that, allowed me to talk with him about the experience and the expertise he's going to bring to the bank to get that first round of financing to get his business off the ground. And I think what we need to do with experience is acknowledge, first of all, that it is everywhere and then sit back and look for that because mm-hmm. everybody's bringing something to the table. Right, exactly. I think uh, we've been talking a lot about people getting in touch with their stories and, and developing their stories of who they are to really promote themselves and sell themselves, but also just just to be comfortable in your own skin. I think you kind of have to connect with that part of yourself. And when you can see the experiences in your life for what they are, even if they haven't always been that positive and you can figure out how to use those experiences to tell your story in a meaningful way I think I think you can that can become really powerful for people in the same way you just described for this person I think powerful and I think we have to take credit too I Mm -hmm. think coming into college a lot of the students that I talk with are kind of intimidated by coming here because it's new and different right and it's college oh my oh my it's college and they're coming from some very difficult places a lot of them and they should be able to take credit for surviving that and doing well and getting here they bring a ton of experience to this experience and and things that the rest of us can learn from around them right sure when i go to the grocery store i buy what i want and 
that's not the case for a lot of our students. Right. Exactly. Excellent. Well, you and I are here today to talk about the concept of self-talk. So I thought I would just kind of start out giving people a frame of reference for how this skill develops in the brain, what it's used for, and then we can kind of chat about all the different ways that uh, it can influence your life as we move into adulthood. So those of you who have been listening know that I love brain development because I've already spoken to you about it a little bit. So here's another episode of Megan talking about the brain. Self-talk. Uh, in cartoons, I always think of the little devil on one shoulder, right? And the little angel on the other shoulder, like arguing with each other as you're trying to make a decision. And uh, it actually does serve that purpose. We might not characterize it that way always, but... I think that's a good analogy. And I'll apologize to our listeners too, is that, you know, I'm a brain geek like you are. Everything is related to how our brains develop and function. Mm -hmm. And I think the more we understand, the better we can do with that. Right, exactly. And a lot of people don't really even know that 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 inner voice uh, really starts developing when we're younger and we keep working on the development of that voice as we get older. And it's actually in the beginning all external. So it doesn't really happen inside your head as much as it happens outside your head. So if you've ever been with a little kid, you know, especially kind of in the three to five, six, seven range, you can hear them as they're working on something, talking themselves through it. It's a really important part of people learning how to do problem solving and also uh, regulate their their senses and their and their the information that's coming into their brain and actually use it to do something productive with it. So is it okay that I still do that? Uh, yes. Well, I was going to say it still comes out for me when I'm frustrated with my computer. <laughs> like you'll find me yelling or any technology really. Right. So it does internalize usually around age eight. Uh, but for a lot of people, it remains an external problem solving mechanism and they talk through things out loud. Um, but for other people, it, when they're particularly frustrated, you will see this voice come out. And for me, it's like I'm yelling at my computer screen or I'm yelling at my TV because it won't work or whatever it is. But particularly with technology for myself when I get super frustrated it comes out well I you know I have a similar experience because I'm not really great with my hands and I've always lived in rural America where we do things with our hands and so if I'm trying to fix a tractor or I'm trying to build something out of wood I have to talk myself through it a lot. Yeah, exactly. And it can get very frustrating. <laughs> and sometimes it's better that there's nobody around when mm -hmm. I'm doing that. Language isn't always so pretty. Yes. Well, I know all the words too. <laughs> yeah. So I think the other thing that's really interesting for me about the way that self-talk develops is that the voices that you have around you can actually influence the tone of the voice that you internalize for problem solving. So if you have really supportive voices around you, encouraging you and uh, really supporting you to take risks and, and try to solve problems in a meaningful way, uh, that is the tone of voice that gets internalized in your head. So you might tend to be more encouraging of yourself or forgiving of yourself uh, with that inner voice as you're using it to help make decisions. Whereas if you have maybe some not so positive influences in your life or voices that are discouraging, your inner voice voice can take on the tone of that discouraging voice and maybe not always serve you as well um, as you get older and are using that for your self-regulation and your problem solving uh, as you make decisions and, and choices in the world. So it's funny how all those external factors affect what we can, we do. You know, there's still times when I think about my mother and well, I think about my mother a lot. My mother's still living and she's a big influence in my life, but it's like, now Brian, is that, are you sure that that's really the way that you want to do that? Do you think that's a good idea? And then there was my friend John when we were growing up and it was sort of the old time equivalent of, hey, hold my beer or is this going to be on video? You know, those influences were <laughs> yeah. not always what they should have been. And 
we were lucky. We didn't get hurt. We didn't get, get in a lot of trouble. So it worked out. But having those different voices and thinking back and using our history and the voices from our past to influence our present to help us think through the decisions we're making now, I think make a huge difference for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing um, in the classes that I teach uh, to students in the education department, helping them learn about this self-talk piece and uh, connecting with themselves around their own inner voices. I've had lots of students share that actually their inner voices are pretty defeating and and don't serve a great purpose for them and helping them to problem solve effectively and make decisions. And so we talk also a lot about the fact that it actually, it can be changed if your voice is not so positive in in there. And uh, it takes a lot of hard work, but uh, I think it's a positive thing to know that uh, you do have control over that part of yourself to some degree as well when you're an adult and you can work to change that voice that's inside your head and, and become more forgiving of yourself, caring for yourself and and, uh, have that tonality be a little bit more positive. What I also notice with students when they when they realize that and they connect with themselves, they also realize that at least in the case of the students who are in the education department, they're going to become teachers, right? So they begin to understand how they can actually influence other people in a very different way than maybe they were influenced in, in terms of developing that voice and how do we encourage children? And it, uh, you can see them uh, really shifting in how they feel about themselves by the end of a semester. Also, their confidence level in being able to work with children in a way that helps them develop positively as well. It's so so fun to see that change because I see it where that dialogue changes from a student and I talking to the student talking with themselves. Mm. And I'll sit back, literally sit back away from my desk, and they'll be playing out both sides of the conversation in their mind. It goes back to that devil and angel on their shoulder. And instead of some of the things we might think of, it turns into the academic or the social, maybe about relationships or things that they're dealing with. And they're mindfully working through the issue that they need to address. And they're coming to a solution that's going to work with them. And for me, it's about cognitive processing. You know, we can be brain geeks for a minute. Cognition is thinking about thinking. And it's that awareness and being aware of what's going on inside their minds and thinking it through. I really like that you brought up that word mindfulness because I think that sometimes, especially when we're facing a big decision or a feeling like you just described, but you know, there's ways to obviously overcome those feelings that you're having because you know you need to get to that next place, but it does require a certain amount of presence and mindfulness to not be overwhelmed by the large feeling in front of you or the large decision and, and really begin to take it one piece at a time, think about how I'm going to move through this feeling that I'm in or move through this decision that I need to make. And mindfulness is really important to that process of sort of staying grounded and staying in, in a place where you can start to see the steps that you might need to make to move yourself out of where you're at right now. I like that we use the word steps. I think Sometimes there's a physical sense to that. I'll actually stop, just stop moving. And when I'm working with wood, it's a good thing for me to stop moving and put the hammer down, not like at a gas pedal, but just set the hammer back on the workbench and not breaking it. But step back, breathe, take a few seconds and think through what it is that I really want to do and how I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that happened in a small way this morning. Well, I want to crawl back under the covers, but if I get dressed, go to work, then I'm going to get to work with my grad student. I'm going to be able to work with other students. We're making this podcast. I've got a list of meetings today that are going to be pretty cool. That's not every day, but it is today. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do good stuff. And it's worth taking those steps to get out and do what I want to do. Right. 
and I think there was a decision about what do I want to do because there was the crawling back under the covers or there was going to work. Right. What I wanted to do this morning was when I thought about it, when I was mindful about it, what I wanted to do was go to work. Right. And I, it, what I hear you saying in some ways, too, is like there's joy. There is joy in every day. There is joy in most moments. You just have to find it, even if it's feeling like it's it's pretty lost. And, and finding that, again, using mindfulness <laughs> to really search for that and hook into it can help motivate you and move you forward from wherever you're at. It can take the crazy out. Right. Sure. Look for that moment of Zen. It's everywhere. So mm-hmm. you're looking around and the world's coming unglued and it's like, yeah, there's the cool kid sitting there reading a book. And that's what we need to find. Excellent. Well, anything else to say about self-talk or anything else you want to add to the conversation at this point? No, just I think we've covered it pretty well. And I think I just want to be encouraging to all our listeners is that this can really work for you. And you don't have to feel weird or strange about it. I think most of us do it. And to sit down and step back or however you want to take yourself out of a situation and think through what's going to happen next and then make a decision about what you want to happen and go there will really, really work. And with practice, it gets easier and easier. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Thanks for including me in this, Megan. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks for being here with us. We're super happy to be having the conversation with you.